Blog Talk Radio.
still the philosophy which holds one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned everywhere is war it's a war that until they're no longer first class and second class citizens of any nation until the color of a man's skin is of no more significance than the color of his eyes. Mr. War, that until the basic human rights are equally guaranteed to all without regard to race. This war. Well, 
I don't know how many of you may have been listening last uh, yesterday, but a good friend of mine, Mr. Hubert Pipersberg, uh, held his show, um, and it was very, very insightful, very enlightening, and it was so good that we decided that we are going to see if we can sort of piggyback on it and do sort of extension of that show from yesterday. We touched a lot of topics, and I'm going to wait for Hubert to, to call in. And once he gets in, we'll get the time started. In the meantime, I just wanted to say that um, the significance of, well, I should say, the significance of the role embodied by the lesions who live abroad cannot be under, understated. Um, it's no question that in terms of remittances to Belize, our brothers and sisters in the diaspora do a considerable amount of uh, towards the development of this nation. And one of the pressing issues that has come to the fore is the fact that the way in which things stand politically, I should say electorally, in Belize, is that um, our Belizean brothers and sisters abroad, whether it be the United States, Canada, the UK, or what have you, who have taken on uh, second nationality or second citizenship. The way things are structured in Belize right now, they do not have the opportunity to full electoral privileges. And when I say full electoral privileges, I'm not only talking about voting, but I'm also talking about the potential for uh, Belize foreign nationals who have taken up a second citizenship elsewhere to fully participate in the electoral process way of testing general elections. The entire matter with regards to that is, is quite convoluted because uh, based on research conducted by several individuals within the social media community, it comes to the fore that, in fact, non-born believers who are naturalized and have come to believe, quite interestingly enough, do enjoy the potential to contest general elections, whereby non-believers who have taken on a second citizenship do not have that privilege. And B, that demonstrates a gross degree of incongruity, it's uh, inequality, and it's basically relegating believe-born individuals uh, as second-class second citizens in, in their home nation. That's a hot-button topic, and once we get uh, Hubert on board, we're going to really get into the gist of it. With regards to today's show, as advertised, the topic is Belize's progressive development and the significant one by Belizeans both at home and abroad. Now, this is a topic that um, is really, really important for us. I am of the opinion that Belizeans, although we are perceived as being rather how I say, laid back and um, not as proactive as we should be, I believe that a sentiment is growing within the Belizean community, both at home and abroad, whereby we are reaching that proverbial tipping point, where we're getting fed up with what we've subjected ourselves to. Mind what I said. I said what we've subjected ourselves to. In fact, the politicians, they do uh, wield a lot of authority and responsibility. 
and along with that comes a lot of um, graft, greed, and misappropriation of funds or what have you. But it's my firm belief, and this is one of the things that I really want to bring across, is that in order for Belizeans to move our society forward progressively, it's imperative we understand the dynamic that is involved with regards to power, authority, responsibility, and governance within itself. Basically, what I want to put forward is that the prevailing notion that we have all seen and experienced uh, from inextricably from day one with regards to politics and belief is that we have a tendency to put these politicians on a pedestal. And we have to hold to that because it is us, it is us who put them there. And then when they get there, they do a lot of foolishness, we don't take them to task. And that's why I'm saying that maybe it's wishful thinking. I don't know. From based on what I've seen through social media and instances of religious thinking up, thinking out, and studying their behavior, I really believe we're reaching that point where we are going to look beyond those proverbial red and blue lenses that we put on. For those of you who don't know what I'm referring to, the red refers to the UDP and the blue refers to the PUP. Here we like to refer to them as as one or two sides of the same equation. That equation is PUDP. And I'll, I'll explain why we, we say that, because basically the way that Belize's governance structure is configured, you have a government and you have an opposition. And what we have seen through successive administrations, whether it be red or blue, is the, no matter how many things change, that being the administration, things remain the same. And I want to kind of delve, I'm going to sort of dovetail into the topic at hand with regards to that, that premise. Now, we always see from time to time that heads of government uh, visibly in the diaspora. And of course, whenever you know, your head of government goes to states or what have you, Yes, Belizean pride sets in, you swell up, you feel good, you're glad to see the quote-unquote leader of your nation. But we really, really, really want Belizeans, especially Belizeans in the diaspora, to talk about what I'm about to say. Now, some people may say that, uh, say that I'm being critical, but then again, that's the whole idea of having these exchanges, these dialogues, to lend critical analysis and assessment to that which we take for granted. And one of the things I'd like to ask you is, are you satisfied based on what you have seen, heard, and experienced personally in Belize with regards to governance? Are you satisfied with the path on which this, this nation is going? Ask yourself that question. And when you ask yourself that question, again, I want you to take off those either red or blue lenses that you may or may not have on. And the reason why I bring this up is because successive administrations have been led by the red and the blue. They go to L.A., they go to New York, they go all about Chicago, what have you. They meet with Belizeans in the diaspora. They give you that feel-good feeling. And in, in response, many of us, and I say us because I've lived abroad myself, many of us, we, we, we go there and we, you know, we welcome them, we greet them. 
and then we engage in what I call, for lack of a better term, hero worship. And for me, that is just, how can I put it? It is counterproductive. Because when we engage in that type of hero worship and sit there and just um, hang on every word that these so-called leaders utter, it's defeating of the purpose in terms of being progressive. Because I, I, I firmly believe that in order for us to move forward as a nation and as a people, we can't be a nation of individuals who simply take everything that is dished out to us. I, I acknowledge that there are those amongst us who are very outspoken and take every opportunity to make their positions known. And I think that in a, in a general sense, Belizeans on a whole, whether you're at home or abroad, we need to take a leaf out of those individuals' books. Because I want to tell you something. You know, a lot of times we like to rail up about the politicians, and justifiably so, but we need to start to take a firm look in the mirror, strong look at ourselves, and ask ourselves the question, why do we allow these individuals to manipulate us? Why do we allow them to appropriate our resources? And, well, we have many, 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 Examples of instances of wrongdoing. For example, the past situation. I hope you all haven't forgotten about that because, trust me, the powers of be would love for you to forget it. Let us not forget that this man, and I don't know if I should use the term allegedly because it's already been established, this man facilitated an individual who was at the time in a Taiwanese prison facilitated him in getting a Belizean passport. Now, Belizean, I don't know how you feel, but I can definitely say that what was done in that instance is very, very disgusting and distasteful. And it's a, it's a slap in the face of all Belizeans because basically he has attempted to cheapen our nationality. There are other implications for uh, that entire scenario. But even beyond that, what I find even more disgusting and distasteful and just really, really unnerving is the fact that with regards to the powers that be, at least to this point, we have heard nothing tangible in relation to the supposed investigation that is taking place. Now, I know I may sound a bit redundant, but I will always say this. You know, and I think I, I'll, I'll borrow a little bit from Brother and Pat was on our second show. And whenever he does a presentation, he puts a timeline with regards to where we stand in our governance. And I can't remember it all right now, but most definitely, with regards to that 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 timeline, where we stand is at a level of arrogance amongst those who lead us. And I said it's a level of arrogance because basically when instances occur, when things take place like this Penner episode, this thing Castro and Beast and all of these other misgivings, the, the land situation, um, things that are that mis, the misguided things that are taking place in the land department, all of these issues that are taking place, and we catch them red-handed, 
We call them on it, and they have the gall, they have the nerve to look you straight in the face and basically tell you that they're not so. Well, believe it's time to, to call a spade a spade, right? I mean, come on, how much more of this can we take? We have clear examples of things going on here that are not right. But if we don't step up, stand up, make our voices be heard, and be proactive, it shall continue. Now, I'm going to give my own spiel on, on, on things with regards to the way forward. But it may, not, it may not be popular with some, it may be popular with others. But the bottom line is this. The way I see it, in order for Belize to move forward progressively, we need to step away from the rubric that has been set for us by the framers of the Constitution and those who have facilitated it uh, throughout. I'm not saying that the Belize Constitution is a bad thing, but what I'm saying is that it's outdated. And it's outdated from the simple fact that after 32 years of independence, going on 33 years, there is still that infamous clause that appears throughout with regards to a term that I believe is the bane of Belize's development, and that is ministerial discretion. I'll say it here, I'll say it now, and I'll say it forevermore, that when you allow an individual such latitude over virtually any and everything that occurs in his or her ministry, by virtue of saying, subject to ministerial discretion, well, why do we even have laws and regulations? Why do we even have stipulations? Why do we even have parameters? Because that's an open invitation for individuals to abuse their power. And we've seen it time and time and time again. Now, if anyone out there feels as though ministerial discretion is something good, I would really like to hear from you. Because, um, well, let's just say I have a dissenting perspective. Getting back to this whole issue of individuals who wield the, the reins of influence. I won't even use the word power, I'll say influence, because that's basically what they have. But individuals in positions of influence have shown since day one, as far as I'm concerned, that their allegiance is not to the people in the, in the country of this nation. Their allegiance is inextricably to their political party. And I'm going to develop the concept because I want to, I want to walk everyone through my thought process, processes when it comes to this particular issue. And when we get our callers in, we can give examples. From, from time you see situations whereby decisions are undertaken by those individuals in positions of influence. And quite frankly, those decisions, the decisions made are not in the best interest of this nation. I'll use the better situation because it's still fresh in my mind. I don't know if you all recall when this thing fought the bus that, um, well, the prime minister and his cabinet sought to circle the wagon, so to speak, and create a buffer for this individual. Despite the fact there is evidence that he was engaged in wrongdoing, wrong, wrongdoing that was detrimental to, to the well-being of this nation, 
and also the standing of Belizean citizenship on the world stage, but all the same. From the onset, there was a call amongst the ranks of his party to circle the wagons. If I recall correctly, when the when the um, opposition sought to engage the community, the constituency of Kyle Northeast, there was a call from the government side to come out in support of Mr. Penner. Of course, things have changed a little bit thus far. That is just one example of individuals in positions of authority and responsibility who have basically just shirked their responsibility and said, you know what, make me do what is best for the party. And I'm going to sort of transition now into why I'm bringing this up. When you think about the, the political landscape in Belize, whether it's red or blue, what I have seen is that either of them, or I should say both of them, that being the red and the blue, do whatever it takes to maintain that level of authority or to stay in, to stay in. And I want you to juxtapose that same train of thought onto the entire question of whether or not Elysians who have taken a, a second citizenship will be allowed to enjoy full electoral rights in Belize. Now, I'm framing this in this fashion because I think it's, it's critical that we understand that the diaspora represents a voting block of individuals, irrespective of where they may be outside of Belize, who, number one, have exposure, who, number two, are not subject to the, the nuances of the, the present being Number three, are not completely dependent on government. And number four, they have a level of independence whereby powers that be, if they're astute enough, will realize that um, they can't have on their thoughts. And I bring that to the fore because if anyone out there believes that either the PUP or the UDP are going to fully embrace the diaspora with regards to granting you full electoral rights, I think that you'll be waiting and waiting. Simply put, they look at you as a potential threat to hegemony. Now, we all know that politicians are in the, the business of lying. And I say that without any regrets. Politicians, they tell you what you want to hear. When they go to L.A., when they go to Chicago, when they go to New York, they'll tell you what you want to hear. But let us look back on the different engagements that successive administrations have had in terms of visiting Belizeans abroad. And quite frankly, what tangible things have caused those visits? I know there have been some, but I mean, I'm talking on a broad scale, on a broad level. Things that will empower the leaders in the diaspora to be 
recognize the contribution to the development of the nation and to also usher you in to the fold. Because after all, someone had pointed out on yesterday's show of yesterday that as long as you're a believer, no matter where you live, no matter how long you've lived there, bottom line is you'll be reaching the day die. No matter how many nationalities and citizenships you've taken up, you are a believer, whether you want to or not. Well, the case in point is this. With regard to the power of being, that being in the blue, their blue note diplomacy cannot readily work on you. And as a result, I advocate that Belizeans in the diaspora really, really, really consider very, very keenly where they will lend their support with regards to any initiative. And that will the cover would be red, blue, or anybody else that's popping up right now saying that it's to be Okay. Well, I think it's about time that we open up the, the lines and uh, see if we can Bert Piper's so we can further this discussion. Get these technical elements together. Hello. Yes, Bob. Okay. What's happening, brother? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Good afternoon. How's it going? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, Paco, go ahead. I'm listening. Okay, greetings, Hubert. How's it going, man? Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. As I mentioned earlier on, that um, your show yesterday was, was so thing that uh, we decided let us uh, do a little addendum to it, no? We're, we're oh, not going to deal exclusively with what we talked about yesterday, but um, definitely there's some things on the docket that I think that we, we need to air out and, and just um, put out there for the, for the listening public, no? So basically what I was talking about just now was uh, at least my perspective with regards to the <clears throat> excuse me, the realities associated to Belizeans in the diaspora and the significant role they play with regards to Belizean development. And I was talking to it with regards to how I believe the red and the blue view you all in the diaspora. How, what's, what's your take on that? Well, I think it's a very complex issue, of course, you know. And, um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, misinformation and uh, stereotypical information coming out on both sides, which blurs the debate, which blurs the discussion. And, you know, so we don't get to fully appreciate what this discussion is all about. But this particular discussion is not a discussion of PUP or UDP or within those, if, you, if you're going to view within those narrow trajectory of partisan politics, then you're, you're missing the overall purpose and, and the overall seriousness of the, the debate. It needs to be broadened into a national issue. Okay, the question remains, does Belize need to entertain the unification of all its resources, its people resources, mm-hmm. which much of those resources are in the diaspora? That's the bigger issue there. So, but for us to just look at it, whether or not it's going to benefit um, a particular party, we're missing the debate. The, the, the national debate should be how do we entertain, how do we promote the discourse, how do we promote the narrative to let to be inclusive, not exclusive, of all of Belizean, of all of people resources in the diaspora. 
And I think that's where we get lost, because if we get caught up into, uh, well, you know, name-calling, finger-pointing, and, and saying this, that, or the other thing about, about uh, regarding the debate, then we lose focus of the bigger picture, what we're discussing. Okay? I mean, because, look, and what we're discussing is not anything that's... Um, that's nine or something that's uh, un, that's not workable. There's ample examples of it all over the world. Mexico right next door is a case in point. You know, so yes, there are inherent differences and issues that needs to be ironed out. But with any with everything that's intricate, there's always going to be that. So that but that shouldn't deter from the fact that it's a valid and authentic and genuine reason to include your, your all your people resources. You know what I mean? So. Because oftentimes you get caught up in the little uh, debate back and forth about, oh, your experiences with what with a particular person or with a particular individual, but that shouldn't define what the issue is. We all have personal experience. I have many personal experiences I have with Belize and back home and they with me. But that shouldn't be. But that shouldn't cloud. I shouldn't look at it with a jaundiced eye because of what I see. Or that's not that's not indicative of what the overall picture of what the whole. That's a fallacious argument because it's not it's not yes some A's or B but not all A's or B. So it's not indicative of the whole picture of what it, it's going to take to include Belizeans in the diaspora to participate with full with their full rights to participate in in all aspects of Belizean life. So it's important that that these listeners understand this. That look, we're not asking anything that's unreasonable, or asking anything that's 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 not uh, workable, or asking anything that's not um that that that's 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 ridiculous. There are ample models all over the world. Israel, you know, case in point, um, you know, as one example, Mexico, Salvador, you know, they all they all have embraced the fact that you know what, we need all the people resources, and yes, there's a lot of there's, there's issues with it, but we're going to have to work it out as we go along. Belize seems to be the only one in the Caribbean that seems to be, uh, that seems to be, um, uh, well, I, hmm? Wait, I let me just finish this up. Let's finish this up, brother, brother. Belize and the Caribbean seems to be the only one that has this hostility towards the diaspora, this almost irrational hostility towards the diaspora. So, and that's what we need to address. And I, I, I just want to point that out to, to the audience that's listening. That, you know, don't get caught up in the petty, trivial pursuit of what it will take. Look at the bigger picture and say, yes, it, there's, there's a lot of built-in difficulties, a lot of built-in uh, hurdles that must be crossed, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's a very strong and rational uh, 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 policy to include all your peoples, regardless of where they, where, 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 you know, where they are. Well, one of the things I can speak to, uh, definitely, there's a movement in the Caribbean right now, specifically in Jamaica, where they are proactively courting the, uh, the Jamaicans in the diaspora. Um, it, it's to the extent now that I think the Jamaican, in either the Jamaican consulate or the embassy, is compiling a list of Belizeans, no, I'm sorry, of, of nationals, Jamaican nationals, uh, whereby they're looking at the different resources that are uh, existent in the United States in, the, in that particular instance. So definitely, I, I echo your sentiments with regards to it's going to necessitate a paradigm shift here at home with regards to the masses of our people and definitely amongst those who sit in positions of authority uh, with regards to this issue. Because only through collective involvement can we move this nation forward. And there's no question 
that there is um, a lot more resources, human resources, and and whatever, whatever, whatever else uh, outside of Belize that can definitely contribute to this nation's development. So I, I really can appreciate what you're saying. Uh, now to switch gears a little bit, Hubert. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I, I spoke a little bit earlier with regards to the basic logic behind the call by Belizeans in the diaspora to be afforded full electoral rights. Uh, that meaning the, um, the possibility, the potential to contest general elections in Belize. Now, it's a given that um, even, even, well, no, I'm going to talk more progressively that when this change comes, there will be certain stipulations, for example, a residency requirement, because we don't expect someone who just comes to Belize like two months ago to come and contest elections. There will definitely need to be some reasonable assessment with regards to residency requirement, maybe one year, two years, I don't know, something like that, but that's for down the line. But I'm bringing this question up because it has come to my attention that there is the possibility that... Um, someone that is quite infamous in Belizean lore with regards to something that he was involved with, um, if, does the name of the Mayaroon Normul ring a bell? Yeah, you talk about the, the, the Guatemalan, what is his name? Yes. Oh, he has a Rehalva, like. Rehalva, yeah. Okay, him, yeah. The, I mean, yeah. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I know the man is a national, uh, naturalized Belizean, right? And, well, that's a whole other story with regards to um, Guatemalan citizens and what have you. We, I think we've touched on that a lot uh, through the social media. But it's come to my attention that quite possibly that he may be vying to be a standard bearer um, for the United Depo Democratic Party in his constituency up in Orange Walk. Have yeah, you heard about that? Yeah, the whole thing, Paco, um, you know, um, the whole thing is, 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 is so ludicrous. It makes me, makes me wonder. This is, look. This is what invalidates the argument for many of those Belizeans who like to tell us, you know, question, you know, place this litmus test on us, mm -hmm. right? This, this, litmus, this unreasonable litmus test on our allegiance and loyalties. But yet and still, this, the Section 29.3 of the Constitution of, the, of Belize explicitly, explicitly um, opposes and doesn't permit Guatemalan national to hold citizenship, yet and still it's done. It's they look the mm -hmm. other way because of because of the hostility of that nation to our, to our sovereignty. Yet and still it's routinely done and look the other way. You know, mm -hmm. you know no one questions this Guatemalan um, uh, uh, allegiance. No one, even though in, in, on the Constitution of Guatemala there is no provision where even if you renounce your citizenship, you're still you're still a Guatemalan citizen. Once a Guatemalan, always a Guatemalan. That's how they roll. You know, so absolutely. But, so for them to, to place this, this is what makes the whole debate gets clouded and shrouded in, 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 in hypocrisy and, and deceit. Because here they are, they don't place this, the questions, they don't qu this, this man, you know, and he's only one, he's only one example of what we're discussing. But yeah. this particular man in a range walk who is fine to hold national office. No one is asking him anything. No one is questioning his allegiance. No, no one is saying, mm -hmm. hey, man, what's, 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 your, what's your deal? But they look at me or look at anybody else. Mm -hmm. Want to know what's your deal? Or, you know, what, what, you, what, what you're doing? You know, so this is, where he, this is where the debate gets clouded in that, in, 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 in mistrust. Because you, on the one hand, are placing 
an irrational and unreasonable degree of, uh, of, you know, of grievance on our side, while with someone who clearly should not be included in you know, national discourse is embraced wholeheartedly without even, uh, without even anyone batting their eyes. So I think that, that th- those are the things that need to be addressed because it invalidates your point when you come to me and say, well, he, you know, when you come to us and say, well, you know, you know well, we don't know if you could trust or no, you know, you know, I vote and yeah. come back or you know, do whatever, yeah. you know. It, 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 it makes, I, it's it, ludicrous. It, it is. It's definitely ludicrous. And um, let me ask you to stick a pin there. I just want to ask you a question with regards to that. I agree with you wholeheartedly in terms of the, the thought process, the logic behind what you're saying. But I, I want to throw something out there to you. Now, we have elements um, within the society that are putting those uh, undue restrictions or limitations on the lesions in the diaspora. And would you venture to say that it might be intentional? Well, there is definitely an insidious and very underpinning, very insidious underpinning there of, of, of elements or segments in our society that wants to perpetuate this, this so-called grievance or this so-called mistrust between the two people, you know, two genuine bona fide Belizeans in diaspora and at, and, and at home, you know, who is benefiting from it? You know, who's really benefiting from this? Who is it that there's some dark political objective there to keep this this chasm, to keep this divide? Because for them, it suits their purpose to perpetuate this 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 lie, this deceit that that Belizeans in the United States or anywhere else in the diaspora should, cannot be trusted because you know they you know they have some dark secret that they will. That they're trying to hold with hole, and, and if they get in, a, if they get an opportunity, they're going to stab you in the back. But it's okay to trust my 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 Guatemalan counterpart because after all, you know, he only mm-hmm. wants half of your country. But don't place that kind of you know, don't place that kind of um, burden on him. You know, so therein again, that's the hypocrisy. But I I really and truly believe also that there is a there is a segment in our population, the political elite class, that is purposely and willfully promoting the disunity and the non-unification of the two peoples. And they take advantage of all the perceived slights, whether it's experiences or whether it's, uh, you, know, um, you know, perception. They're exploiting those things for their own purpose. So, yes, I do believe that there is an underlying thing that's there that's been exploited by a few who it, it's, it's benefiting. Yes, yes, okay. I, I can definitely understand where you're coming from. And again, if we, if we delve back into Belize's history, right, the whole governance structure that was set up for Belize is modeled off of the, the system from Britain, right? And we know that in terms of the colonial past of Belize, the way the colonialists dealt with Belizeans, native Belizeans, is that they divided and they conquered. They highlighted whatever differences may have existed, and they put things through in that fashion so that we became our own worst enemy. And I believe that yesterday we touched on this a little bit because the colonialists were, were replaced by those that we refer to as neocolonials. Correct. Because they're basically Belizeans who have taken up the slack from the colonialists. Indeed. And they were, they were placed into a, a certain class, so to speak, whereby they're just perpetuating this, this injustice against the Belizean people. Would you well, like to I comment think, on that? Yeah, I think what happened, you have, okay, Dr. Walter Rodney, 
you know, who 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 wrote many books, you know. He's one of my heroes in the Caribbean, you know. Absolutely. Who hold you know, one of his books that I like is whole whole Europe colonized Africa, you know. I mean, um mm-hmm. and, and one of the things that he mentioned was that what what the colonialists do do, okay, and this is this is indicative of British British colonialism, is that um they leave what is called a buffer class or a petty Precisely. elite or a petty bourgeois, you know, a petty bourgeois elite that they leave who shares their values, who who who, who promotes their interests, whether it's you know, in, in the social construct of the society. So when so when they so when they leave and say, Okay, you have independence, they give you a carbon copy constitution that they give to all their their Commonwealth countries without question, and then they leave you with the value system that you are uh, that the value system that they have inco- that they have engrafted on you. So as a result, so basically, what you have done, you have only you have merely replaced uh, colonial functionaries for local functionaries who will operate under the same vice. But only thing is that they're they're your local country people, you know. And so yes. what this does is it you know this buffer class promotes the interests of the colonialists. So it's like they never left because. They were the ones who were benefiting from the period of exploitation and imperialism. So after the colonialists give them their independence, they just they keep all the laws intact. They keep the status mm-hmm. quo the way it is, and and they have figured out how to maneuver and manipulate it, you know, at the expense of the vast majority of the poor working class majority. And so they keep this system intact. They keep it in place so that they can pl- uh, plunder, uh, um, plunder the rewards. And the sad part about it is that the literati. People who are supposed to have gone to UWI or, <coughs> excuse me, gone any, anywhere else in the world to study, come back and promote the status quo. They don't challenge the validity of the status quo. They don't say they don't ask the probing questions: why, where, when, if, what. They just continue to promote the status quo as legitimate and as the only means for us to to um, develop a national identity, or, or as the only means for us to to reap the rewards of uh, of um of independence and economic. Prosperity. So that therein lies, Paco, many of the things. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. George Caleb Price, you know, bless his heart. Sincere patriot, and he does belong. He does belong in the pantheon of Belize leaders, no question. However, look at the dichotomy. He was, even though he was anti-British, anti, you know, against the British colonialism, the very system that he was fighting for was the very system that was, he was going to use to govern his country. Make sense? You see my point here? So the, Absolutely. The, 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 there's a paradox. The very system that he was fighting against, that it was evil, that was bad, that was wrong, is, he, you know, he validated by saying, well, 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 we have to use the Westminster system because it's the only system available. So therein lies the conundrum. Therein lies the inconsistency in the argument. Because, see, you know, and so if, unless we can look honestly and say to ourselves and say to each other, look, we need to really examine our contemporary interpretation of the way we of our governance and jurisprudence. I don't care what party you support. I don't care what party you support, but we need the right minded beginning to, to to wake up and say, you know what? It has nothing to do with P U P U D P third party, fourth party, whatever. It has to do with the national discourse that how do we move our country forward to 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 a to long term sustainable growth and economic development without getting caught up within all the little little mirrors of things that, that that separates us, and I think, you know, again, I'm not suggesting that that you know I I, I am not trying to quarrel with anybody or promote any kind of um, subversiveness or you know or anarchy. I'm merely suggesting that we need to have a discourse 
as to what it is we want to do with this country moving forward because we cannot continue, I guarantee you, we cannot continue down the same path. Let's all agree on that. Mm-hmm. We need some serious and basic fundamental structural reforms to our governance and jurisprudence. I don't think anybody in their right mind who <coughs> examines Belize's uh, body politic will argue with that and say well, with a hundred degree of fairness, like, man, we cool, man. I know Belize is good. Well, brother, self. Everything's fine there. I don't, if well, you do not, then you're, being, you're ostracizing yourself from reality. Make I, I jump in here and just tell you that, uh, <laughs> and I'm being facetious in saying this, uh, Hubert, but um, I would wager to think that there are approximately 31 individuals who sit on Independence Hill that would, 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 would wager to try and question what you just said. Of course, I, I wouldn't agree with them, but again, here we have a situation whereby it, it's imperative that the Belizean electorate become attuned to what is going on. Because, again, all that you said I agree with wholeheartedly. And therein lies the question as to how can we move forward, how can we embrace Belizeans both at home and abroad to let them know that, you know what, it's okay to call a spade a spade. Because when you have a hungry belly, you look for like five, six people where you can't feed, right? But you know that um, you have ministers of government who are just uh, raping the resources of this nation left and right. It's time to look at the situation for what it truly is and not just be a yes man or a yes woman and say, oh, yes, boss, yes, boss, everything all right. Everything is not all right. Well, and the first, the first step is to get people to understand that. Now, we see it time and time again. I saw it personally when I contested the, the um, municipal elections in 2012 as a mayoral candidate for Belize City, right? Mm-hmm. The, the electorate, in, in a majority sense, I, I, I hate to be painting with broad strokes, but in a majority sense, our electorate have been inculcated into this, um, this whole concept of dependency. They look to the boss to bail them out, right? They look to the boss for hands out. They look to the boss for pay for them, um, light bill or whatever, right? And when it comes to election time, that's when it's at its premium. Now, I will, I'll be honest to tell you, I contested with a, a non-PUDP entity. It was a VIP. And one of the reasons why I went that route is because, well, some of the same things we, we're discussing right here. And you know that there were actually some individuals that came to me on election day and said, well, you know what, Parker, we have to vote, man. We have vote here, but you have to run us on something first, right? And I told them, quite frankly, you know what, if that's you they look for, better you go to the red or the blue because, you know, they're on that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, people that look at that will say, well, Parker, you just, you know, you cause the death knell of your political career. But if that's the case, so be it. Because, and, oh, and I also wanted to interject on something you said, Hubert. <laughs> Being a proud graduate of the University of the West Indies, I believe that I represent at least one person out there that doesn't tell the political line. <laughs> I don't want to pick a you the boy. I mean, come on. Don't make it like, no, don't make it, I, don't pay it me like that. Like, I'm picking a you the boy. I just want to interject that, you know, I think one of the problems, or I should say one of the challenges that we have is that a lot of times... Um, graduates of the University of the West Indies who step to the forefront 
within the political paradigm, the existing political paradigm, and who are not willing to challenge it are normally those um, that study law, right? Okay. And being, being one who didn't study law, I studied governance and public policy, amongst other things. I, I just want to say that, you know, there are alumni out there who, who supposedly share our views or at least perspectives with regards to the dilemma or the situation in which Belize finds itself. And I would like to make a personal call to them at this time to please step up to the task, do your university a, a, a great service, and demonstrate that the critical thinking and the analysis, um, um, the analysis that you've undertaken during your course of studies can be applied to the Belizean situation and not just do this follow foot type of thing and just accept things because that's the way they were. But go ahead, go ahead, you. No, I mean, well, see, I mean, I think what happened is what's lost in a lot of people to really understand Belizean, um, you know, the Belizean society. You must, at least in the post-colonial era, you must look at where the origins of where a, lot, a lot of these things are coming from, or, or, where, or the, where they derive from. You know, I mean, you know, and to, so to actually understand that post-colonial era, you know, that what we're dealing with, it, it's a very complex thing. And it, I say complex in the sense that because, um, you know, we, you know, we have we have validated, you know, what the colonialists said that is is good for our own governance. You know, but let's look at the laws. I'll give you a case in point of what I'm talking about. In the Constitution, it explicitly says that that the ministers, like Perry and them, are not supposed to. There's a, there's a clause in the Constitution that, that argues for um, for um, ethical conduct, you know, by public servants. Yes. However, and this is the part that really, 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 really uh, makes me cringe when I think about it. In this, you know, I think Section 121 of the Constitution. If anybody want out there, you could look it up and you'll see. In any event, um, the point I'm coming to is that. This section, this section of the of Belize's constitution specifically suggests that argues for you know for for proper and no conduct unbecoming by elected and public officers, you know. Mm-hmm. But yet and still, when you when you look at it, this thing has no teeth because they're saying that um that they're saying that uh they, here's the argument that the the, the lawyer politicians give you well you know there's no penal code to to process uh, you know mm-hmm. to um. To, to, to implement it or to or to, to put to, 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 to take people to court or to prosecute that person. So you know so which makes me laugh. I'm saying to myself, I'm a little amused by that because I'm saying, okay, it's like telling me that in the United States, you know, you have the uh, First Amendment rights, you tell me that doesn't mean anything in the Constitution. That any state by any state in within the United States can by, you know, arbitrarily and capriciously just decide that oh well we don't want to implement that. That's what you're telling me. That here it is it's a the Constitution is supposed to be the supreme law of the land, mind you. Mm-hmm. Any other law well, must be must be subjective, to, must be subjugated to that to the to supreme law of the land. But you're telling me you cannot enforce the clause of ethical conduct in the Constitution because there's no penal code to go with it. What kind of nonsense is that? Therein lies the conundrum of what I'm telling you about this this system that's left in place by the colonialists because this is a direct thing from them. This. This, this carbon copy constitution that we have that came from them as a result of, of, of the, you know, our, 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 the colonial legacy. And nobody, the, all these so-called literati who come from UWR, UWR wherever they come from, where they study, <laughs> no one wants to challenge it. Everybody just say, oh, yeah, you're right, boy. And if you were a private girl, come and bring it up. He don't know where to talk, boy. He's stupid. You know what I'm saying? 
Again, yeah. again, I, I agree with you. I'm but, a thinker, uh, brother. I'm not going to I, sit idly by and anybody push anything down my my throat. I'm sorry. You I know? agree with you. I agree with you, and I think That's that just again, you know, and I, I don't want to make this thing about me, man. But you, you can't pick for you, man, because I'm a prime <laughs> example of why you know. <laughs> At least one person out there right, from yeah, the like, to try to fight, fight with you. <laughs> I'll cut you some slack. Yeah, man. Not imagine not, not, not my alma mater, no? <laughs> no, but seriously, honestly, yeah. I understand, I understand where you're coming from, humor. And, again, I'd like to throw this out to you with regards to the, at least my perspective, is that this, this thing is intentional. And you, you spoke a little bit with regards to the concept, which I agree with wholeheartedly, that the belief constitution is the supreme law of the land. Now, it comes as no surprise to me that these individuals in positions of authority um, just shirk that, because we have a prime example of whereby they tried to subjugate our constitution to an external body. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about that harebrained um, scheme that was concocted with the organization of American states to subject Belize to going to a referendum and then voting on whether or not we should take Guatemala's unfounded claim to our sovereign territory to uh, the um, ICJ. Mm-hmm. So we have an example right there whereby the individual that we vested with, uh, with regards to the responsibility of looking out for the well-being of this nation based on the Constitution being the fundamental and primary supreme law of the land, they have just basically just flouted it. So I'm not surprised, I'm not surprised, but I'm disgusted. And I think that more Belizeans out there need to get disgusted because the power lies with the people. And until Belizeans get fed up enough and they realize that we are allowing ourselves to be, to be raped and pillaged right in front of our eyes, trust me, I know human nature and I've seen it time and time again. Those who sit in the, the halls of Independence Hill they are not going to readily give up any of the influence that they have. They will not do it because the way things are structured right now, you have this thing called ministerial discretion, and you also have that whole concept that we just delved into, the neo- neo-colonialist type of mentality, which, which just pervades this entire system of governance, whereby they are going to watch one another's back. We've seen it time and time again. Look at the Penner situation. Look at the situation with Castro. You would think that these things would blow up. Blow up in the sense that, all right, we catch you red-handed. We got to deal with it. But with regards to the Penner situation, what's the latest? Have you heard anything um, coming out of the BPP's office or anything like that? On the Penner situation? Yeah. Well, beyond I mean, what you already know? Well, beyond, beyond what's out there, there's really, there's no, they haven't broken any new ground in terms of the PUP have decided that they're going to you know, litigate it, you know. Which, well, they're, you know, they're they're playing their role within this two-party. You know, system. you know, they're, they're going to, you know, as, as, the, as the loyal opposition, they're going to litigate it. But there's yeah. greater, there's a greater, there's a greater thing here that I don't want people to take take to pay notice to here, you know, than than just um, than just you know, just that just to get down into the rudimentary aspect of it. Look, the fact of the matter is, Penner, you know, Alvin Penner is is, is it represents exactly what we're talking about in terms of dual nationality or dual citizenship. Here's a man. Who has Canadian roots, but yet and still, no one questioned him on his allegiance. No one questioned him on his, inte- on his integrity. No one questioned him on his on his ability to lead, or even his ability or his intentions towards the country. And now, look at the manifestation of of of, of not of, of not vetting 
that individual. Yet still you'll vet me to the point where if I go to Mars and come back, you still want to vet me some more. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying not me, but believe in the diaspora in general. You know, so but you know, so here's a gentleman. You know, and, and you know, I'm not suggesting that there's nothing wrong with with, with what with, with it, having those kind of individuals. You know, you know, you know, you know government in, in as part of our government. I'm merely suggesting that you know you don't you know uh, you know the Belizeans at home. You know, you guys come up with all kind of uh, you know issues to to an impediment against us. But still, somebody like Penner, who you know who clearly violated. Clearly violated the law. Any other country that respects any other country, okay, that respects law and order, decency, he at the very least would have been indicted for something, or you know, or or, or charged with something, or being jailed at this point. Because what he did was a clear and gross violation of the, Constitu- the clause of the Constitution, Section One Two One. But again, because you know, and we have learned individuals like Mr. Like the Prime Minister, he's one of the most well-studied individual in Belizean history, next to Assad Shuman and Said Musa and them, who, who understands the law like no other and understands international principles like no other, Dean Barrow. Yet and still, this brother cannot look at Section 121 and enforce it because his hands are tied. Something is wrong, brother. Something is wrong with, with, well, with, our, with, you know, with, with, with the way our leaders you know, say that they're awful or they, they, that these that they represent our, our, our interests, but yet and still when there's a clear violation of the public trust, a clear violation of the public good, and you cannot do anything. Mr. Penner is walking around as if though, you know, in circles. He, I mean, he's beat you right. He lives, I believe, Father, saying, I meet you all here, say hello to you like nothing. When he just slapped you in the, I don't know, he not slapped you, kick you in your butt. No, kick <laughs> you in your guts, you know, and, and by selling a passport to a man that's allegedly in jail. So I mean, so these are the kind of things. And look, again, I know I, I'm not going to criticize the, I'm not going to criticize the, uh, the, you know, the, the statutes in place for the recall and the, uh, the whole referendum thing, because Oceana proved that it can be done. But at the same time, at the same time, you know, and again, I have my biases for that too, because again, the Guatemalan use it as their as their example for, you know, for for why they, why they pull up the ICJ. So. Don't, yeah. I'm not going to push too hard on that, Parker, because in that regard, it kind of, you know, it kind of helped. You know what I'm saying? You know? Yeah. So, but in this particular case where the PUP was struggling to get to the 30, 30% threshold, and when they did make it, the, electri- the election of Bonjour Commission just decided, you know, I kick it out of here. We, you know, you, you know there's this gross, there's gross, um, there's gross uh, exaggeration here or, or gross mishap, mis- mishandling here with signatures, et cetera, and so forth. So we, we're going to, we're going to, we're gonna kick it, kick it away, and you know, and just let it go like that. Well, you can't, you're touching on something very important that I that I want the clientele system, patronage clientele system that we that we have developed. We have trained our people to 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 operate under the guise of uh, machine politics. That is to say, cover favor for votes. That now, when you have something legitimate as this, where there should be moral outrage across the board, I don't care who you are, whether you're PUP, UDP, or NDP, you should be outraged. That somebody such as Penner can do what he did to you know to your birthright without even without even, without even batting his eye you know but yet and still you're you know yet and still you have a situation where where this you know the election among the commission kicked it out and say okay go back and you know like, what's the word the election I believe wheel and ton, wheel and turn again or whatever wheel and come wheel again, come again. wheel, wheel and come again. again okay all right so you know okay fine we wheel and come again but the PUP now, 
because they are part of the culture of graft and clientele politics, it's difficult because I, mean, I, get, I guarantee them to pay whatever hundred dollar blue note, which they're used to, they will get more enough signature than they need, right? You know, but because you, you see, see here, therein lies the conundrum again, Paul, because you promote, you promote this this sleazy kind of politics when you do have something that's legitimate and something that needs to be addressed succinctly. You're having a hard time doing it because the people are already trained to believe that the only way I support your cause is you pay me, you give me quid pro quo. You know what I'm saying? So therefore, this is what this is what the PUP is up against. They're up against their own devil that they created. You know, yeah, their own vestiges, their own. Vestiges. You know, and that's what's so sad about the whole thing because look, you should not be struggling to get no 30 percent um, signature anywhere if based on a national issue such as this. It should, it, I, the people should be outraged and say, you know what, come on, let's just get this done. And you know, we don't like this. I don't care. If, I don't care who has done it. But because the people are so bitterly divided against red and blue, Paco, that everything, oh, every little thing getting get into political category, every little single thing in that country, brother. You know, and so and it's a self-cannibalizing, mutilating system where the, the political parties are so intent on destroying each other, they can't sit past their nose to look at national issues that should promote the national security interests of our country. Well, Hubert, I, I, I want to touch on a few things that you mentioned, and um, I call it the hero worship syndrome, whereby, you know, we've seen it time and time again. You have a an individual much like the Prime Minister, the current Prime Minister, and dare I say the, the, the previous one for him, who are well, well read and, you know, uh, they, they have a legal background. They open their mouth, they say a few superfluous words, and everyone seems to get all gaga and uh, wide-eyed. And, you know, believe them, we have to move past that because it's been shown time and time again that these individuals are all about um, insulating themselves, insulating their, their parties, and so that they can remain in positions of influence. Now, you touched on something also, Hubert, that I think is very, very instructive, and it was with regards to this entire um, cannibalistic culture that we have here, the political culture, in terms of voting. Now, I gave an example of um, my personal example when I contested the municipal elections in the city in 2012, but again, this is part and parcel of uh, um, a mutual approach by the PUP and UDP, whereby they pay people for their votes. And anyone out there that wants to say that they don't, I'll tell them to their face that you're lying, because I've seen it happen, and people know that it happens. Now, I want to touch on something else. It's sort of switching gears a little bit, Hubert, but I know this is something that you, you have an opinion on, and I'd like to draw it out of you, okay? It's along the same lines of, of this whole patronage system and, well, uh, I should say this illegal system, because in the Constitution, it is illegal to pay people for their vote. You know that, right? Yeah, of course. And, it's, and the of thing course. is this. Both sides have, have, have done it. They're guilty of it. And they'll continue to do it unless Belizeans join together and do something about it. But let's take a look at this Christmas cheer program. <laughs> let's take, yeah, yeah. Let's take a look at this Christmas cheer program. Now, you and I had a discussion about this. And the thing is this. You know... Instead of, all right, when the whole thing came out, I recall that the leader of the opposition had voiced some concerns. But my concern with his concern was that basically it translated into saying, well, boss, we know to get enough of that pie. And for me, I have a problem with that. But go ahead, Hubert, what's your take on it? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I remember 
not just me, but I mean, I know a lot of people are outraged about this, you know, the Christmas cheer program. And I'm not trying to take the food out of any of my Belizean brothers and sisters. You know, I don't want to, you know, because, you know, people say, well, they need the turkey and ham. Yes, they do need the turkey and ham and all that kind of stuff. But, well, not where we are. This is January, what, 14th or what, 12th? Or, well, where is that turkey and ham? No, but that's... You, you, look, public policy is supposed to be instituted for the greatest good for the greatest number. I mean, I'll, I'll say that ad, ad nauseum. And, and, you know, and, you know and, but, if we, but if we have a system where by, you know, where the political elite can decide, you know, what is it that, that, that is right for the bottom, the bottom part of that society just on a whim, then therein lies the problem because, you know, you, know, you, you, know, you decide that, okay, well, you know, it must, you know, it's Christmas, so let's just give them some benevolence, you know, from their own tax-paying money because nothing new. not like they're giving you any money out of their pocket. They went to the National Treasury and said, okay, let's take the X amount of million out, two, three million, and give it back to the people in, by way of giving away Turkey. But then the very program in and of itself is a corrupt, Absolutely. again, clientele thing because, you, first of all, i give you a quick example. They said they gave a representative $90,000. So let's say Belmopan, where the guy Saldiva sits. There's 9,000 or so registered voters. So assuming you want to give everybody in there on Turkey, I think I don't know how much it costs, but that amounts to like $10 per person, you know? So, I mean, mm-hmm. really, what is $10 going to do to a family in need, you know? So, you, you, in other words, the point is you have no way of making it equitable and fair. Hence, it's wrong. Therefore, it should not be done because if you cannot make it, apply for the greatest good for the greatest number then then you shouldn't do it because then you want to leave a you know you know create resentment and apathy and more people want to have more reason to mistrust the government you know the, or Absolutely. the intentions of the government so that's why you have to be careful when you do this kind of thing but again if you continue to train these, look these two political parties are exactly what they're doing they're in collusion if you ask me you know exactly it's, it's almost representative of, a, of, of like a cartel almost when you really okay. got to look at it it is a cartel. You know, yeah. I mean, they're in collusion with each other. They rail up in public and rail up about this. But at the end of the day, they both agree on the fundamental and the, and, 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 you know, the fundamental of, the, of our system of governance and jurisprudence, particularly when it comes to economic matters. You know, they have Absolutely. no... So I'm not going to get caught up in, in quarrel nobody cutting a PUP or quarrel nobody cutting a UDP. That's, that's, that's nine, and it shows that your political maturity needs to grow up. Because if you feel the need to be quarreling with a UDP, your own fellow Belizean who, you know, who's supposed to be in this boat with you, then it tells me that your political maturity needs to, you know, criticize them based on policy. If you don't agree with it, like the Christmas chair, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with the fact that they gave $90,000 to Arab and $25,000 to, to, to others who are not part of the, the government. Like, like you know, it, it's wrong. If you know that, you, if you're saying that you don't, that you, that you want to wipe out corruption or or the semblance of it, then give the money back and say, on principle alone, like, I'm not going to take it. That's it. End of story. But, well, you, you know, took, don't you took the words right out of my mouth there because I wanted to ask you, I was going to pose that question to you. Can you imagine the, the earth-shattering um, <laughs> effect had the opposition did precisely that? Can you imagine what, yeah. what, what message that would have sent to the Belizean people, yeah, just Belizeans and people worldwide. They miss an opportunity. Because they miss, they an miss opportunity. a golden opportunity. They miss an opportunity to, to, to stand on principle and do something as a right. So that's why I have to ask, you know, I have to ask the question, you know, 
rhetorically, what exactly are these guys doing? What, what exactly do, are they, do they stand for? If they can't come right on and say, look, I am not going to take no $25,000, you know, because it's wrong, and I, I have no way of equitably distributing this in my constituency, not to mention the, the amount of it is wrong. I'm not, I mean, the volume for it is wrong. I'm not even going to, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I would have just said, you know what, if I want to do Christmas, I'll do it out of my own pocket. I'll have my own fare, my own bazaar, my own fiesta, out of my own money. I don't need the government to do that for me. You know, government has too many other responsibilities than to, than to give away turkey and ham. You know, you've got streets that need to be fixed. You have a broken education system. You have a public safety that, that's, crumb, that, that, that's unsafe, witnessing uh, upsurge in crime. You know, you have bridges and roads that need to be fixed. You have a healthcare system that, you know, that you can't go there for routine stuff because you'll come out, you know, you might get, die in there. So, I mean, there's so many other things that this government needs to do and focus on. And for them to take the taxpayers' money and go focus on Give me another ham and turkey, brother. That's well, a Gilbert, make, I, make I tell you something, man. It's par for the course, and it's a damn shame. And I, again, and I will say it. I'll say it to that nauseam myself. Belizean, at home and abroad. If you feel as though this system is just going to magically change itself, you, 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 know, you better not hold your breath. Because both sides are part of the same equation. And we have multiple examples of where opportunities have been missed by either side to do the right thing. And I'd like to transition a little bit now, Hubert, with regards to maybe just a, a basic overview of <clears throat> excuse me, of the type of leadership that we've experienced in this nation. Well, I, I'm sorry, excuse me, I didn't, would you repeat that, Parker? Oh, I said I just want to know if we could transition a little bit to discuss with regards to the type of leadership we've seen in this nation, right? And we're not limiting it to current leadership, but I'm talking clear down the line, right? Now, I'd just like to throw out there that because the system is the way that it is, and individuals apparently, based on their actions or lack thereof, they don't seem to be committed to um, sacrificing for the betterment of the, the greater good, as you said, like. And I find that a lot of individuals who become involved in politics, per se, do it basically to, to use street vernacular, to come up, right? They oh, want yeah. to come up, and they basically come up, and that's it. You know, it's interesting because when election time is near, politicians or aspiring politicians will find you. They'll go to every crack and crevice and, and, and smoke you out if they have to, right? But mm -hmm. the bottom line is that once they get in, they automatically shift gears into this, this, um, this mode of self-aggrandizement, uh, self-indulgement, greed, craft. And we've seen time and time and time again. And my plea is to these people to, to kindly wake up. I mean, they don't need you or me to tell them this. Because they, they live it every day. They experience it every day. But the thing is, we need to start to hold our politicians to a higher degree of scrutiny. Now, I'm going to give you a, just a brief, um, a brief uh, recollection I have. I can't remember the gentleman's name, but last week in church, there was a gentleman who was visiting from, he's a, an expatriate that's doing mission in Belize, and he has his mission in, in Point Malatí. And he was talking about the situation in Malanti in regards to young people. You know, Malanti is, is, a, is a village. There's not a lot of industry there. There's not really much to do in terms of work. 
And he's trying to spread the Christian gospel, but he's also trying to empower the, the youth of that, um, that community to get up, um, get some actionable skills and find work and be productive. And he said something to me that really, well, not to me, but to the congregation that really, really struck me. And he said, you know, I've only been in Belize for approximately a year or so. But one of the things that I recognize is that, unfortunately, and he was talking specifically about Malinti, he said, unfortunately, the people that I've come across in that community have subscribed to mediocrity. And when he said that, it really touched a chord because I knew that he wasn't saying it maliciously, but sometimes, my friend, I tell you, the truth hurts. And I think that with regards to the overall Belizean um, consciousness or cognizance when it comes to the political directorate, the political elite, those who govern us, I don't think that we hold them to any level of scrutiny. We really do not. You know, you know, that was one of the things I want to discuss with Mose, and I'm going to bring on back to Mose Hyde, you know, if God's, you know, God willing, next week, Saturday. And we're going to get into a lot because he's in the media, you know. He occupies a very powerful post in the media, you know. And so yeah. that's something that, you know, Mose can speak into firsthand. But, but to, to, you know, to, to get back to the point that you were saying, I think, you know, the thing is, this buffer class that we had discussed, they view... They view politics as a not as a selfish pursuit for public service to uh, to uplift the you know the, the you know the greater good of the community or the society or the country you know it's it's no use as a vehicle for you know like you alluded to this for self-aggrandizement and enrichment of them and their cronies you know and, and you know mm-hmm. and then this has further developed this 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 business elite who, who, who leeches on this you know you know mm-hmm. there's a whole accompanying of privilege that, that goes there. So so it seems that everyone involved in public service strives to attend to this level, you know, this 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 you know, I wanna get I wanna go drink from that trough, you know, and, and so so no longer you see people going to politics for altruistic reasons, but they want to join the buffer class in the continued exploitation of the working class majority. You know? And that's what's so sad about the whole thing. Because I mean, you know, you you know, you can't have you can't expect, expect to um to, you know, to build a society and faulty foundation. You must address these things if you expect to move forward. And I know it's harsh for some people, some of the, the, partisan, the partisan hacks who, who are blinded by, 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 their, by their desire to, to, to exploit from the public trough. You know, these kind of people who, who, just, who just see red or blue no matter what you tell them, who, who just see that they cannot see any sense of what you're saying because as far as they're concerned, that's how they eat, you know. You know, yeah. you know, these are they are part of the problem. You know, they are part of they're not part of the solution because they you know, they pay you know, they you know, they pay lip service to these politicians. They they egg them on, you know, they make tell them what they want to hear and not what mm-hmm. they need to hear. And so these politicians believe that they are actually out of touch because they actually believe like we know what's going on down in the community because after all, my boy don't they, whatever his name, yellow boy or yellow man or yellow gal, whoever they have there in there, you know, red you know, whatever, I don't know what color they call him but you know the, the names they like to give them, big eye door, yeah, you know whatever is going there, do whatever you want for me. So they come back and tell, yeah man, the people want a turkey and ham, and just give it. No, mm-hmm. here you are. You are supposed to be a leader. Wait until you have these, you have these uh, cronies out there, these minions out there, coming back to you and tell, yeah man, that's not what they want. I'm a subpoena for a judge. You want, you want to get in some zinc or whatever, brother. That's a very myopic understanding of your people. If that's what you, if that's what you're using to promote. You know, national 
national progress as a society. You know, if you can't look past that and say, look, you know what, man, that's wrong. I, I'm going to take my own temperature for, from from my constituents and decide, you know, how I want to move forward with it. You know, you know, what I mean, because look, we need to create a society that's empowered to do for themselves and stop mm-hmm. creating dependency for our people, man. You know. That's that's what it takes. Give me a job so I could go work for my money, my brother. I don't want nobody to give me no hands out. Show me how I could get a good paying job so I could raise my family and do the things that I need to do. I don't want nobody to give me no hands out. Yes, you can give me a helping hand to get from point A to point B, but after that, fuck, I want to have I have pride, man. You know, I don't want my, my son or my daughter to be go beg you for something that you feel off. You know what I mean? This is the kind of thing that this is the kind of thing that we're doing to this debilitating mentality that we continue to promote. You know, in, in our country, you know, and, and that's what's sad. That's what's sad about the whole thing because, you know, we have these, you know, we and and look, I'm not just gonna blame politicians because they're easy. They make easy targets, but other people, man, you know, we, you know, it, it's I feel for us because, you know, we, you know, we have bought into this lie, we have bought into it, and we have not tried to look outside of what we need to do because we have totally accepted. That's a laziness on our part. When I'm talking about educated people too, again the people who come up from you to blind them. Sorry, Parker, but I mean you know, I'm <laughs> you all over that country. You know, you have to stop it. You have to stop it by you, man. <laughs> you have to stop it by you. I mean, but uh, the company uh, included, you know? I, I, I don't, I don't make any excuses for those UE graduates who come into this system and just facilitate it. So, but go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, man. <laughs> okay, but I'm being facetious, man. I'm, so all my you, you, you people out there, I, you know, I'm, I'm not educated, you. So I'm just focused <laughs> on you guys. You know? <laughs> but I mean, you know, I'm just saying that, uh, that uh, for all practical purposes, man, you know, these are educated people in the literati, you know, who come back and they're supposed to be the humanists in our society. We instantly come back from wherever they come back, you know, where it's coming off from. Barbados, Jamaica, Guyana, they did. You know, I guess those are the ones that, you know. And they come back to this society and they don't see anything wrong. They don't have any, they just plug into it. Oh, I want to get a job here and I just ignore the plight of my brother, fellow Belizeans. Why, I, I, I'm just going to, as long as I, because I, I have been blessed to be able to, you know, have connections so I can, I was able to educate myself, higher education, so I know I can come back and exploit, you know, the, 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 the political economy. But what I'm to the average garden variety type Belizean who doesn't have that opportunity, who there is a block for them, who who they you know that's what you you know you have to understand, Park. Unequal societies have a hard time maintaining you know long-term development and growth because if everybody don't have access to to get to the same tools that you have, then that's where you have deviance created. You know what I mean? You know you have a sense of you know people decide that you know well if I can. You know, even if I try it, I'm not, I'm not going to get. I'm not just a fine. I'm just. I'm trying to explain to you that you have a sex. You have a, a cross section in your society who have decided that. Look, man, I it, the, the vehicle for me to advance to get to to, to higher education. I think is just not there, and you know, it, I'm I'm blocked from doing that. So my only alternative is to do something that's you know that's not part of society, social construct, commit crime or any other deviant behavior that's not, you know, that we frown upon. So I think, you know, we need to start to address these inequities in our society because if we don't, if we don't start to, and it's not, it's not difficult, Paco. It's not, it, I'm not talking rocket science. It's a simple thing. Provide proper health care for all. Provide access and adequate education for all. Provide affordable housing for all. You know, it's a very simple thing. Enhance your public safety so everybody can feel free in their open spaces. It's not rocket science, my brother. I'm not asking you to do anything that's utopian. I'm merely saying give everybody the same access. That kid from um, from uh, from Dunk South, that in village, San Antonio, from Rio Hondo to the Sarstoon or wherever they they hail from, 
you know, from Hatteville or Lemonal or, or Barrel Boom or Benke or Doublehead Cabbage, you know, or Cotton Tree. They should have the same access to bona fide education just as the elites from, um, in, 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 the, in the city, in the, in the least city itself. So I think that's where, the, that's where the inequity promotes itself and that's where it continues to, to debilitate that society because you have an unequal access to opportunities for those people. And you, you know, I remember, I, you remember when we were down South Park, do you remember this? Those two kids' house we went to in PG. Yeah, mm-hmm. Two young brothers, two young Latino brothers getting ready to go to study in Mexico. Now, how would they have gotten a scholarship like that if somebody was not looking out for them or somebody was not trying to help them? They don't have no political connections or friends in high places, but here they are, they're going to go study engineering in Mexico. Therein lies my point. Why can't everybody else have that access? You know, these two young brothers and I, and they, they, they come from very humble beginnings. The, the family, obviously, we saw the house. It wasn't no, you know, it was a attached house, you know, you know, uh, a level to the ground. Where, you know, it was, you know, but... It belays my point that we need to be able to create more opportunities for the people who are less fortunate or, come, or the socioeconomic condition is not as fortunate as us. And I think unless we start doing that in, in, in Belizean society, we're going to continue to see this stress on the social pressures that we see in that country. Well, Hubert, I'm going to throw something out at you, and I just want your opinion on it. I would um, posit that we are in this condition Number one, because we have allowed ourselves to be manipulated to the extent that it is being done. And number two, it's because the very same people that we elect and put into these positions of authority and responsibility, they thrive off of it. You know, they thrive off of it in the sense that, excuse me, if you give a man a fish, you know, you feed him for the day. If you teach a man how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. And with regards to the political... Um, milieu that I see here in Belize, the construct that is at play here, politicians, both seated and otherwise, they play into that whole concept of, you know what, well, we ought to give them a fish every day or every other day because we don't want this man to become self-sustainable. And therein lies the, the, the conundrum. It's very, very difficult. Um, it's a very difficult situation because, again, our people have been, how can I say, we allow ourselves to be swept under this mysticism of the red and the green, and as a result, anything the politicians do, we just sort of either, number one, we're not too interested, as long as we get ours, so to speak, and ours is not really anything equitable, and number two, some of us are just so disattached or disassociated, we don't care. But therein is the, the call that I make, that you know, we can't sit back and just expect that... Um, and one day, you know, the sitting politicians are say, you know what, boy, you know, I guess we, we get enough. You know, they say that greedy choke puppy, but when it comes to politicians in a Belize, um, trust me, I don't think that they uh, subscribe to that. <laughs> we, could see it, we, could, we could see it through successive scandals and scams and things that have been going on. And that is why I, I consistently say that it's incumbent upon the people of this nation, women abroad, Belizeans, wherever you may be, to step up to assert yourselves, to be proactive, and call a spade a spade, but also follow that up with proactive action. Indeed. Now, we've been, um, let me see how much time we have left in the show here. We've got about 31 minutes remaining. Okay. I'd like to just take a little five-minute break. Okay. And when we come back, we're going we're gonna to delve into some, some more topics. And it will just be five minutes. I just have to you know, catch my breath a little bit, all right? All right, then, brother. Let's take a five-minute break, then. Yeah, man. So just hold the line, okay? All right. No problem. Yeah, man. Thank you.
actually, I wanted to have a representative of the NTUCB on the show today, but as you know, they've been very, very, very active in the past with regards to issues that are developing within the respective unions that comprise the BNTU. But I'm still in discussions with them, and hopefully for the next show, which would be not next week, but the week after, we can have a representative from the NTUCB, the National Trade Union Congress of the Police. I very much want to touch base with the unions because, given my perspective and my outlook with regards to how Belize needs to move forward progressively, is it is no question that the unions wield a considerable amount of power and influence. Quite frankly, if unions decide to flex with, well, <laughs> some of us would like them to, they could shut down this country. But speaking of that, I understand that there is a move in Kyle that was actually scheduled for tomorrow regards to the business community, not the unions, but the business community. And a colleague of ours, Ms. Mary Karim, I'm spearheading a movement in Cayo, and I must give her her props because she is someone I have seen put her money and her time where her mouth is in terms of um, doing actual things within her community. She's very outspoken. She has the group called Enough is Enough on Facebook. If you would like to and give her a shout, please do. I heard a little bit of information on the news today, the 12th, whereby they were saying that the demonstration, the shutdown that was scheduled for Monday has been rescheduled. I would say rescheduled. And I think that it's going to, and if anyone out there knows better than I, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that it's going to now link up with the, the movement I should say the demonstration is going to take place later on this week in Kyle will be held by the Louise uh, National Teachers Union. I, I believe that is the decision they're going to take. And, well, definitely. I am a proponent of civil society engagement, and I also very, very strongly support Belizeans stepping up and taking whatever actions within the within the parameters of the law that they can to the power that be here we have to say. I believe that um, you know we've spoiled our politicians. We spoiled them grossly. Grossly to the extent that, brother, uh, they don't even lend a listening ear. Okay, brother you were back. Right. Well I was just uh, talking a little bit with regards to what the the plan was for the coming show week after next, I want to get in one from the NUCP. And while we're talking about that, I just want to mention of the movement that's being spearheaded by Mary Curry in Cayo. Okay. Oh, you want yes. to touch on that? Yeah, man. I'll touch on that very briefly. And I basically told the, the listeners there that... Um, well, well, Mary Curry had... Um, everybody who knows her, she's an activist in the community. You know, um, and she's the kind of woman who wants to action and I, I respect that well she had planned that um I think she had planned to um have a, a protest on the 13th for the businesses against you know because for the rising for the shop 
rise at, in crime in um, San Ignacio. Yeah. But they decided to scrap that for the 24th or the 23rd, I think, for a meeting with the BNTU. Which let's talk about that for a minute. Because yeah. no, look, I don't. I, I support it only because I believe that you know, too often times in Belize we tend to. Um, Look at struggles isolated from each other and that tied into the broader picture of where the direction we want that country to go. Look, the struggle of the teachers, not just a struggle for teachers, you're not immune from that. It's a struggle for the universal rights that these teachers are struggling for should be for all Belizeans because we need to have a better quality of life and be able to uh, adequately comp- compensate it, you know, so that we can have a better quality of life. So I, I'm, I support the, what those teachers are doing. And the fact that Mira Caridi decided that she's going to amalgamate her struggle into the teacher's struggle, I think it makes sense. Because they're not separate they're not separate of, they're not separate from each other, they're part and parcel of each other because you know a struggle for, for public safety is just as good as a struggle to promote and and get teachers, you know, or government workers better paying better pay uh, better 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 pay which leads to to a better quality of life. So what we need to start focusing is to look at how these struggles tie into each other. You know? They're not separate from each other, Paco. They're, they're you know, they they uh-huh. dovetail with each other because you know we, you know we, we in order for us to build a more efficient, effective, and economic society, we have to address a lot of the issues, the, the unfairness in, in 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 pay for public servants, you know, the unfairness, you know, in pay for for people in the business community. I don't have a problem with you know, I don't have a problem with you know the business community. I promote business. I'm not a socialist. I want to see better business and. and and the growth in the economy. But all I demand is that they have good corporate citizenship, you know, that they don't forget their responsibility to the, to the broader society. You know what I'm saying? So they need to yeah. be able to, 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 if you're going to be a part of society, you can't just take out, take out, and don't put anything back. You must, you have a moral obligation, I dare say a moral imperative to promote, you know, fairness and equivalency in your society because you're not, you, you're not, you're not immune from whatever implications of that society, those things don't get done in society. Like I mentioned, crime and so forth. So the struggle with the teachers is your struggle as well. Just as how the struggle for Big Year to try to get land is, is tied into the struggle with the Mayas that are trying to get land. They're all related, but so oftentimes we tend to, we tend to uh, you know, instead of amalgamating these struggles, we tend to separate them and try to, you know, dichotomize them so that, you know, to make them weaker. And it shouldn't be like that. We should join in solidarity with those teachers, with those government workers, because what they're fighting for, their cause is just, you know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with what they're doing. They're fighting for, they're fighting for a better quality of life. They're fighting for a better standard of living, not only for them, but for the society in general. So keeping down your teachers, you may as well keep me down because I'm part of that society. You understand where I'm coming from, Paco? Absolutely. I, I echo your sentence. And in, during the course of discussion over the past hour and a half or so, I, I realize that there is a continuous theme running through it, no matter the, the subject that we're talking about. And I'm just paraphrasing here, but correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. What I hear coming from you is that with regards to the overall struggle, whether it be teachers' rights to a, a, an equitable salary, uh, whether it be um, dealing with addressing crime issues, whether it be dealing with, um, I don't know, other issues that involve unions, what have occupational health safety issues. One of the things that we need to do is we need to band together and we need to, we need to find, we need to form, um, 
how can I put it? We need a form coalition. of coalition. A coalition and yeah. a, a brand of unity. We need unification of these causes because the causes are not of, in and of themselves. It's part of the whole body politic and the whole social Indeed. element beliefs. Indeed. And I agree with you wholeheartedly, my brother, but man, look here, man. Let's be real. That is one of the fundamental challenges that we've had in beliefs from one and how do we get past that? we get out there? Because if someone isn't out there looking to be the, the acknowledged head or the leader or whatnot, or, or they don't want to push themselves out there for whatever sake, we need to get people on board to understand that collectively we can do this thing. And I will say that is meant to be. We can all contribute in one fashion or the other, whether it be kind, whether it be financially, whether it be um, utilizing, I mean, um, volunteering your expertise, taking a just cause, right? And spreading it. But we need to get out of this thing whereby my cause is bigger than your cause, or I want to leave this thing because I want to, or what have you. We need to come together. There has to be some thing. And I, I, I accept this point because powers that be, the red and the blue, they know this, and that's why they so very effectively divide us. You know, so, you touched you know, this earlier, man. Parkway when you right? out there talking about you know this, you know that, when you have when you have that type of discourse between regular Belizeans, it's it's counterproductive because trust me, those in either side of the PUDP equation, they're bombali when it comes to things outside of the political realm. Well, you know, the thing about it too is when the Prime Minister was here in in, in, in uh, the town hall meeting last year, you know, he didn't think too highly of the unions. He felt that they were doing and I'm paraphrasing here, he felt that they were doing their members a disservice. And at the time, he, you know, he felt that the six that that the, you know, the government could afford or even wanted to give them a six percent increase. You know, I'm talking about the teachers. You know, but mm-hmm. the unions in general, because hey, look, look, I think and Ajima Tura and I had touched on this when she was, you know, when we were, you know, when I had her on two weeks ago. You know, the unions have a very, very important role to play. Because you realize the role the unions played last in bringing down or at least destabilizing the uh, the, uh, the the Musa regime. You know, they played a very critical role. And I'm not suggesting Absolutely. that's the role of a union. The role of a union, the role of a union is to seek equity and justness for their members, which and which translates into the greater equity and justice, justness for society in general. So, I mean, that's, that's that, that I think is the sense, one of the one of the essential roles of a union. Not not the only role, but it's one of the central roles. You know. But you um, will concede that at a certain point, when you reach the point of diminishing returns, whereby these politicians just sell you. Dreams after dreams after dreams, but you have to step up the the ante. Well, I mean, from a union perspective. Well, the politicians, you have to understand, the politicians are voter maximizers. You know, they're not there. Look, they're not doing anything for altruistic reasons. They're doing things to see how they can get garner garner votes and win elections and, 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 and or in some instances hold on to power. So you can't use them as your as your as your as your as your gauge or as a benchmark no. because. Well, I'll, they, tell you why, I'll tell you why I brought it up. I'll tell you why you brought it up, because you mentioned, you said that the professor, when he was in uh, Los Angeles last year, he said that he felt as though the unions were doing their people a disservice. What, ex- what else do you expect from him? That's what I expect him to say, you mm-hmm. see? I expect him to say that, because trust me, politicians, sitting politicians and non-sitting politicians, they always want to make sure that they have the unions on their side. Because they well, know the unions the have a critical role to play in democracy. You know, and, you know, it's not, I mean, the unions, 
the unions represent, you know, the, the you know, the, those unions represent the working class. They're the backbone class. and the muscle of this country. Yeah, they're, they're the working class of society. And in, in some instances, like the Christian Workers' Union, the Ajimatria heads up the poor working class. It's stevedores and such. Whereas the teachers' union and other unions, they really need to come up with a commonality and see how they can, you know, demand. And I use the word demand because that's what is, you know, not ask, demand that, you know, that we see some serious structural reforms, that we respect workers' rights, that we respect their right to, to a better quality of life. And, you know, uh, all the government workers, they need to unite and say, look, we're not going to take this anymore. You know, forget about this, this rubbish about PUPUDP. This is a national cause that has, a, that has, a un- that has workers. Who we, that's why we form a union, so we can amalgamate our strength into one, so we can move forward with, with, with demands or move forward <clears> with petitions that, 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 that those people who, the, 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 the governing elite, will have to listen to it. So, I mean, you know, they, take, for example, the police. That's another disenfranchised uh, segment of the poor working class. They have no union. You know, could you imagine, you know, and I, I know people always want to dung the police, police department, but I have a soft spot for them, you know. Because I, w- I was the one who was responsible for them, name changed from police police force to police police department. So, you know, the thing about it is, look, you know, they, you know, the, the workers in that country, the poor working class majority that represents, the, you know, that represents the bulk of the, the economy in terms of work, where they don't really produce anything. All they do is just work and you know, pay taxes, GST, whatever. Then we need to start treating these people fair. We need to start looking at them as a viable and Irreplaceable part of the development of the society, because like, like the teachers, just the teachers is just one example of that. But we need to start, yeah. we need to start to appreciate these people, man, because you know they represent a very, very important segment of our society. Without which, a society we would not be able to develop. Well, and I'd like to piggyback on what you said. You know, a lot of times people like to give the police department the goof, man, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, they have a very thankless job, very, very thankless job. I'm not. Everyone in the police department is a saint, but I'm also saying that not every one of them is, is, a, is a sinner or a criminal. No, uh, their, job is, their job no, is very, look. very difficult. And I, I just want to mention this, though, because uh, one of the elements that comprises the movement that is being spearheaded by Mary Caridi for later on this on Friday, because they changed the date from Monday to Friday, they're calling for the government to provide police officers with um, insurance. Look, Which I think Marco, is fundamental. It's Marco, very, don't very get me started on that. They're underpaid, underequipped, undermanned. You know, they get into, we ask them to deal with the worst aspect of our society. I mean, we, that represents vast social failures that not even nobody has any answers for. But oftentimes, this land at the doorstep of law enforcement, and we say, okay, you go out and solve it. But you still, you know, equip them properly? Come on. Precisely. Man, something is fundamentally wrong with your society when you cannot say, say look, you know, at least when it comes to public safety, euphemism for crime, at least you're going you're gonna to try to get the people, the, man, the men and women that you send out there to, 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 to keep the, the community safe, at least you're going to equip them with the right, you know, equip them with the right resources, man, you know, I mean, such as two-way radios, you know, um, uh, and uh, what Mary Curry was talking about, two-way radios, was one of the things that she's, you know, one police for one gun, I mean, you know, it's, what, I mean, one police, two police for one gun or three police for one gun, I mean, so these are things that have to yeah. be addressed. This kind of inequity cannot continue because, you know, you are looking at a, a fundamental breakdown in your society of this continue. It cannot sustain itself. It's not sustainable. And, and you know what's so sad is, sad is that um, amongst the, the political elite are those who, in fact, know better. But because of the, the myopic view that they have 
demonstrated over successive administrations, it appears as though they're just living for today. And they're not really thinking about the, the well-being of this nation and, and our people well into the future. And again, that is why, you know, people like yourself, uh, Mary Caridi, and others who have put their money and their, their well-being where their mouth is, I salute you. Because trust me, we need people to stand up, but not only to talk, but to actually do. So I would just like to give a plug for that movement that is, is taking yeah. place mm-hmm. on Friday. Of this, Pick up Mary Caridi and them, yeah, and all of them yeah, down there. And BNTU to the teachers union who have decided yes, to get them off their butts and, mm-hmm. you know, and demand justice. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And in effect, also, I also want to give a shout out to the um, NTUCB because they, a few weeks ago, uh, during the last sitting of the House, which I found was, was very much in order, you know, they got a commotion, they were escorted out, yes, but they brought it to the forefront for the media that, look, this yes. occupational safety hazard uh, yeah, legislation has yep. got to go through. This Social thing, justice, been brother. Thing for you years, know? man. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a basic. It's a basic, uh, it's a basic uh, thing that these people are fighting for social justice with any society, any constitutional democracy. If they hope to survive, if they hope to make it as a as a viable society and not and not relegated to a failed state status. They have to address these fundamental wrongs because we not again. I said it's not utopian. I'm talking for I'm talking about mm-hmm. fundamental things such as workers' rights, such as you know um, you know laws to protect the, you know you know them them from uh, from uh, exploitation you know and occupational hazards etc. You know the teachers pay them better so that they can you know and, uh, uh-huh. it's just a situation whereby you know we need to stop picking on these people, brother. They represent the fabric. Mm-hmm. The, I dare say the bedrock of our society, you know, moving forward. And if we do not treat them right with respect, if we do not give them the, the social justice that they, that, that they richly deserve and earned, then, then it, t- it says more about us as a people than it does them. In Absolutely. Demand, you know? Yes, man. Well, we're, we're coming up on seven minutes remaining. I'd just like to secure a little bit, uh, maybe talk on about two minutes or so on, on something that I know that you hold near and dear to heart, and I've seen some some uh, posts on Facebook and other social media sites um, alluding to it, and it's something also that I believe is critical to moving beliefs forward, and it is the call for an eventual constitutional Congress. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can I have well, your, your impressions on that? Well, look, I wrote, a, I wrote a paper, a position paper essay, uh, I think about two years ago, in calling mm-hmm. for for a constitutional conference, you know, I know you. I mean, anybody who have read it is on my page. You know, I mean, yeah. for me, Paco, the Constitution is front and center of what is fundamentally wrong with our, you know, with our fledgling, um, uh, fledgling democracy. Yeah, nation state. You know, as a people, we were, we never wrote and composed a constitution that emerged from out of our own struggle, or history of political evolution. So. We have basically a carbon document that was grafted upon us for our former, you know, British masters, and it's not an authentic representation of who we are to aspire to become a people. But yet, and still, we continue to continue to proceed in forging a nation without a genuine founding document written by the people for the people. You know, so that is one of something that I think we have to address. We continue to scrabble over the scraps, you know, instead instead of demand. You know, we, right. we, we're fighting for the scraps from the table instead of demand in the form of these top-gap amendments here and there and ad hoc uh-huh. implementation of policy. Instead, we demand of God giving right to something more, you know? Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You know 
it is painful obvious, Parker, that we are bedeviled by a cleverly written document that was meant to keep us in the vestiges of absentee paradigms, I mean, absentee shareholders, such as Lord Ashcroft and others, you know? Oh, yes. It was set up to facilitate that type of goings-on, yeah. and they've exploited it to the end of the I mean, we, we, you know, so, so, so for me, like I said, the Constitution is, is something I've pointed out to you. That you know, that I'm not saying throw, throw the baby with the bathwater. I'm not saying, suggesting that. I'm merely suggesting that we need to take a comprehensive look at our con- present constitution and make sure that we have, you know, you know. I, I asked for a constitutional conference two, three or three years ago, Pac, or you know, in, uh, a constitutional conference or convention where we can look at how we can uh, do, do the structural reforms to this document that will negate many of the issues that we're having in, in terms of the law, you know, to give it teeth. And most importantly, the most important thing that I can't forget is to have genuine, authentic citizen participation to make sure that's built in there, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. I think you touched on a very, very salient point, Hubert, as much that, and again, I, I continue to echo the sentiment of lesions, both abroad and true friends of the wherever you may be. It is incumbent upon us to take matters into our own hands within certain parameters, of course. I'm not advocating any type of violence or anything like that. I want to make that absolutely clear. But there are parameters within which we can take proactive steps. And you see examples of this, such as with the, the unions and what they're doing, accepting the ante and demanding what's rightfully theirs. You have such as uh, that, the one that uh, Miss Mary Caride of in Kyle mm-hmm, you're heading mm-hmm. for later on this week. It, it is things like these social yep. interactions. Those kind of civil actions that will make it make the change. Yeah, yeah that's pooling, the kind of thing we pooling need. Our, pooling our resources together in order to effect this proactive and positive change. The one thing I want to caution all of the listeners to is you cannot sit back and expect for sitting politicians to have some sort of epiphany and say, you know what, why I, I think I get off now. That not happened. You know what happened? So we need to continue along the lines, but as Hubert, as you rightfully said, we need to coalesce things, we need to pull them together, we need to form unity and move forward. Hubert, we, we've got about three minutes remaining. If you would just like to give me uh, maybe 60 seconds of uh, a parting shot. Oh, yeah, brother. Thanks a lot for you know inviting me to your... To your to your show. I mean, it seems like people say, "Man, but Parkland, but you know, always the honor." But you know what? Look, you know, we people say it's talk, but that's why it's called talk radio. Weird. This is constructive talk that can lead to constructive um, actions. Okay. So when people say it's just, it's just that's what that's why we have to communicate. Communication is, is is very important for us to be able to discuss amongst ourselves possible solutions or possible imp- policy recommendations that could make a country better for all of us, and that's the goal. We want to see a better Belize-based, better governance and jurisprudence that's economical, effective for all Belizeans, you know? And so that's all right. uh, and efficient. So, but I want to thank you, brother. You have a good evening, and, um, you know, do the right thing, bro. Okay, yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Hubert. We really appreciate you coming on online and um, sharing your insights with us. Uh, definitely, like you said, this is Blog Talk Radio. It's not all about talk. It's a component. But what we have seen is that definitely we can move forward. We can see the the effects of it. We can see the effects of social media. I would like to remind our listeners out there that uh, you remember something that happened not too long ago. They refer to the Arab Spring. One of the catalysts or one of the conduits through which a lot of um, the movement that 
took place that, that led up to that involved social media. So don't take your eyes off of this medium because it's, it's diverse, it's vast, it's, it's expansive in the sense that we can reach a wide range of people in a very short period of time. Well, we're coming up on a little less than two minutes, and I'd just like to, again, um, thank you, Hubert Piper, for coming on the show today. And also, in terms of moving towards our next scheduled show, not for this week, Sunday, but the following at the same 30 p.m. release time, I'm putting it out there publicly. I would like to someone from the NTUCB to come on so we can discuss union matters. I know that the unions are picking up dust right now, and rightfully so. And I applaud that. Definitely, we need that type of sick engagement, that type of um, proactive uh, pronouncement of the situation and what we want to bring forward. Because without that, we're just basically obligated to accepting what they, they being powers of the goal of us. And I'd also like to pick up Miss Mary Caridian because uh, again, you are an example of someone who is productive, proactive, and is out there getting things done. Um, anyone in the Cayo district and also anyone nationwide who wants to go out and support on, on Friday, please do so. You can contact